Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. Uh, the prayer that uh, the prayer that Luke prayed right there, I, I find myself praying the same thing oftentimes, you know, uh, in, in many different ways, many different people. I pray for my kids, I pray for my grandkids, I pray for uh, people in the city, I pray for some of our city government leaders, I pray for uh, some, some of the people that uh, are, are not part of our, uh, in the same value system that we have, the same belief system we have, but I'm often, often praying for their, 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 their blessing, praying for their goodness, praying for things that come about in their life that are healthy and strong. And, uh, I, I, you know, especially you think about your loved ones, I'm always praying that they'd be safe and comfortable and you know, all these things. But what if suffering came to their life? How should they respond? How would I respond if suffering came to my life, if trial came to my life? You know, sometimes we're always praying and hoping for the best health and, you know, everything, get the, the raise or whatever. Or we, we get the, you know, our, our garden grows or whatever. We're always praying for the good things. But what if tribulation comes into our life? How should we respond then? What if, uh, what if God allows uh, evil to come into our life? What if God allows terrible things to come into our life? How should we respond? How should we live that? How, how should we uh, go, go about our life? Do we, do we say, God, what's up? Do you, do you not love me anymore? Have you abandoned me? Or, or do we, what, what do we do? How do we respond? Let's continue our sermon series at, uh, from the book of Revelation. We're in chapter 2 of Revelation. Church of Smyrna, chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, a serious question for these people and uh, for many people around the world today. Uh, we, we really live in a bubble here in the United States of America for so many generations now. Uh, haven't been persecuted, haven't suffered, haven't... It, well, we've suffered, but not as a direct result of our faith, usually. Um, what, what if that changes? Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. May God bless the reading of His holy word. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, the words... Of the first and last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. For ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has the ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Those who hear... Hear. Those who don't hear, do not hear. 
Smyrna was a, uh, a port city. It was a rich city. It was a, it was a, uh, it's the only one of the seven churches that's still around uh, in terms of the city, not the, not the church. It's called Izmir today. It's in modern-day Turkey. Um, I saw John and Lynn Clark here this morning. They visited Ephesus, the ruins of Ephesus, the, the, the place of Ephesus recently. And it's about 20, 25 miles to the north, I think, of Ephesus. You know, that circular route, that, that, that circle that the seven churches are part of. Uh, it was a... Uh, uh, today, I think it's, it's a modern city, maybe 500,000 people, something like that. Uh, that city is an ancient city. It, it died at one point. About 600 BC, but then it came back to life. So there's some play on words there in the in, in the in the 200s. It was restarted again. Uh, it was a uh, a city that was very loyal to Rome. Uh, the, the the their loyalty to Rome was incredible. They they had a, a temple of the goddess Roma, uh, hundreds of years before this was written. For for even before it was you know the the Romans controlled the area so to speak. In a, in a serious way, uh, they, they were loyal to Rome. There's, there's a, a, a city pride sometimes. We, we need more pride in our city. Uh, there's a city pride sometimes. These people, they, they were very proud of their city. It was a beautiful place. They, they poured themselves into it. They loved their city. Uh, but they, they loved the values of Rome. They loved the, the ideal of Rome. Uh, in, in, I think it was 26 B.C., 29 B.C., the numbers are getting mixed up in my head, they beat out 10 other local towns to, to uh, win the honor of building a temple to the emperor Tiberius. Uh, it was like, wow, we, we get to honor the emperor. You know, they, they started even back in the early 20s. There, there was this growing idea of, of emperor veneration, and sometimes it turned into worship. But the worship of the Roman gods was a huge part of the Roman Empire because it held all these conquered peoples together was their idea. Uh, there was a large Jewish component in the city, a large uh, a number of refugees from Jerusalem, a large number of people that came from Jerusalem over the, over the centuries. It built up, built up. Uh, it was a cosmopolitan city in some ways, like, like Birmingham that we talked about, a lot of people coming from all over. Um, but there was, the, imagine like uh, when maybe it was mid-50s, 55 AD, something like that, the gospel came to Smyrna. We think it was part of Paul's two-year journey in Ephesus, his, his stay in Ephesus. Somebody brought the gospel to Smyrna. Imagine in a, in a big city, you know, it was one of the grand cities back then of the, the Roman Empire. Imagine coming to that city and, uh, and you're the first Christian or your family's the first, first people, not only on your block or your neighborhood, but in the whole city, you're worshiping this God Jesus, the Father, Son, and Spirit. What, what an amazing thing, and, and apparently the, the disciples multiplied quickly as they learned the gospel of Jesus Christ, about a God dying in their place so they could live. If they trust in Him, they could live forever, be forgiven of their sins, justified in Jesus Christ. Uh, amazing, amazing. I just would love, maybe one day in heaven we're going to hear the stories of those first believers in that place, in that place, and, and nobody understood what we were talking about. No one understood, and we shared the gospel, and they came to know the gospel. They came to know Jesus Christ. They were saved. Imagine the, the, those ripples. I wonder who the first Christian here in the San Luis Valley was. I don't know. It'd be fun to hear that story. One, but here they are. There's this small church, you know, in this, this, this city of, of, of emperor worship and, and goddess worship. <laughs> And there they are loving their Jesus. Uh, 
Jesus comes to them, and he, and he, he comes in, uh, I think, the heart. Like every one of these letters, he, he, he's walking among the churches. He's caring for the people in those churches. He, 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 he loves those people. He says, I know your tribulation. Some of your translations say your affliction. They're being persecuted. We don't know how long the persecution's gone on, if it was from the start or if it was later on that uh, persecution came. And the way that, that it's set up here, it doesn't really translate into the English, but your tribulation, and as a result of your tribulation, kind of the, the subsequent ideas is your poverty. Uh, the word there, it's, it's not just a general kind of a impoverishment, it's a extreme poverty. Because of Jesus, they're being persecuted, and because of Jesus, they're being persecuted, and that's, that's lent itself to them being extremely poor. And we don't know all the details, but apparently they're being shut out of jobs. They're being uh, shut out of being property owners. They're being shut out from contracts. They're being, uh, having uh, you know, maybe businesses confiscated, whatever. The, the government is against them uh, the, because of their refusal to worship the Roman gods. Their refusal to bow the knee to the emperor. Uh, and you, it, it would have been very easy for them to capitulate to that, to compromise to that. Because uh, really the local officials, you know, they're busy enough running the city. They're busy enough doing the public works. They're busy enough doing this and that. You know, like if you just go to the temple and do the rites, we won't pay attention to your Christianity. If you just like go along with the program and just, uh, you know, once in a while light a candle to uh, that, that Roman god or, or, you know, join in with your fellow, you know, your, your, your fellow workers at, at the business and, and have a prayer for... Emperor Tiberius or whatever, or that emperor, that emperor. Just come on, get with the program. But they wouldn't compromise. They wouldn't suck up to the, to the, the expectations of the world. They were Jesus' people, and they were Jesus' people alone. And they were willing to suffer for it. And suffer they did. They, uh, we don't know, what, what is it like not being able to feed your kids because you're under attack? What is it like not being able to uh, give your, your kids a, a bright future because, because you're under attack? It'd be very easy to say, well, Jesus would understand if I deny him here. Or it'd be very easy maybe to walk down that path of saying, well, I, I want that promotion, so maybe I'll just, I won't be outspoken about my faith. It'd be very easy to even deny Jesus. No, I'm not a Christian. But they didn't. And Jesus says, I know your persecutions. I know your poverty. I know the slander that you're facing, the bad-mouthing, the put-downs, the people <laughs> spitting on your name. I, I know it all. I, I see it all. And, and you know, we, we come to these kind of texts and we say, well, why, Jesus? Why are you letting them suffer? Why, why, why do you let Christians go through hard times? You know, some people have a Christianity or an idea of faith, like, if only I, if only I become a Christian, everything will be smooth, I'll be protected. <laughs> Nothing bad will ever happen. Well, I think something bad happened to Jesus when he was being faithful to the Father in heaven. I think something bad happened to the apostles when they were faithful to Jesus, ultimately. It's, it's you know, becoming a Christian doesn't make you bulletproof or that everything is going to be prosperous. 
The prosperity gospel is such a lie. This idea that if you just you know, walk through your faith and have a strong faith and a bold faith and a claiming faith, that nothing will ever go wrong, that you'll be rich and healthy. What, what a lie from the devil. Uh, that is, you know, it's just going out so often in so many places around the world. And we come to the book of Revelation and here's this Jesus saying, hey, I see what you're doing. Imagine, imagine uh, you are people, you, maybe, maybe we want to get applause from people or you want to be accepted by people. Don't you want to be accepted by the King of Kings? Amen. Don't you want to be accepted and, and applauded by, by Him and, and, and Him cherishing you, loving Him, and you walking with Him? That's, that's what's happening here with, with uh, Smyrna. Uh, in most, in most uh, of the letters... Uh, there's some deficiency mentioned. There's some uh, problem that Jesus addresses, something they need to repent of, not in Smyrna. Uh, in a strange way, when he says, hey, I see that you're suffering for me, it's like a compliment. It, it, imagine if, you know, if Jesus evaluated our church. <laughs> I, I'm afraid of the list he'd give. You know, like, oh, yeah, we need to work on that, Lord. Uh, yeah, Lord, we need to love more. We need to love one another more. Yeah, I know we do. We need to love our neighbors more. I, I know we need, we need to do that. We are so self-focused sometimes and so self-centered sometimes. We're all about our stuff. Forgive us, Lord, for that. Let, let us be people. Yeah, I know if he came to our church, so many things. But he's saying to these people, man, I, I see what you're, you're doing. And, and there, there's, there's nothing wrong here in terms of big things. He's saying, I see it all. Well done. You've kept the faith. You've stayed close to me. You're walking it out day by day by day. How many, how many years has this gone on, the persecution? How many years has this gone on that they've been uh, marginalized and, uh, and uh, put into the corner by the culture? I don't know. But notice what he says. Uh, yeah, you're in this position, you're in this, but you're rich. Wow. What do you mean I'm rich? I, I, I can't even put clothes on my wife's back and, and you say I'm rich? You're rich. If you just open your eyes and see things from the heavenly perspectives, heaven says you're rich because you are a member of the kingdom of God. You belong to the kingdom of heavens. In fact, blessed are those who are poor, the meek. Blessed are those who are spit upon and spat upon and lied about. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Right? We could run down that whole path. What does that mean? What does that look like? Heirs of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is ours. Eternal life is ours with the Father in heaven. Would you trade that for being accepted by the culture? I wouldn't. Would you trade that for your classmates liking you more? I wouldn't. Would you trade that for being, uh, you know, get, get some kind of award in the local paper for being a civic-minded person who bows the knee to the gods? I, I would never do that. I want Jesus' applause. I want his acceptance. I want, I want him to say, well done, Geron. Even though you're, I know you're a fool in so many ways, but you love me and you, you make sure that I'm your number one, whatever the cost. Uh, just as a picture uh, of what it looks like, um, uh, Mark chapter 10, just, just a, a snippet, a, an image, a, an idea of what, what does he mean and say we're, we're rich? Spiritually rich, of course, but what do those riches look like ultimately? Mark chapter 10, verses 28. Mark chapter 10, verse 28, uh, 29 rather. 
Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. You see, uh, Jesus, there's, there's places where he says, man, if you don't hate even your, your family, you can't be my disciple. And what he means by that is the comparison, like to Jesus is the treasure. Wouldn't you give everything up for the treasure? It doesn't mean you stop loving your neighbors or your friends or your, or your truck. <laughs> but that truck doesn't hold a candle to Jesus. Have you left the worldly things in your heart? Have you set them aside for me? He's saying, man, you, you, if you left all those things... Uh, for my sake and the gospel, for, for the mission of, of Christ, um, what's the result? Who will not receive a hundredfold? Now at this time, houses and brothers, you know, here's our hundredfold right here in terms of family. If we would invest in one another, if we'd love one another, if we'd be part of each other's lives, we'd experience a hundredfold return right now because now we have this family that we have been blessed with if we choose to receive it. Choose to live in it. Choose to welcome it. For my sake and the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now at this time? Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. In the age to come, eternal life. <laughs> I mean, that image of a hundredfold, you just, what does that look like for eternity? I, the, the math, the exponential, you know, the, 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 all the zeros behind the number. What is that? <laughs> blessing upon Blessing. Uh, in the heavens. And, and would, you would you trade that? Um, if, oh, I can't suffer. I, I can't be persecuted. I, I, I don't think I can follow this Jesus. I, I can't honor his name. Really, you can't? For this? I can. <laughs> I, I can go with you, Jesus, anywhere because you're worthy. And what you say is, is ultimately in you, I'm rich. I, get, I believe it. I trust in it. So uh, that, that image, of there's so many scriptures that we could run down that path. Maybe we'll get to that another day. But notice what, what, what's going on here. He says to them uh, in verse 9, I know your tribulation, your poverty, your slander of those who say they're Jews or not, but are synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer, verse 10. What? <laughs> They've already, I mean, it's like he comes to them, I know you've been suffering, and maybe they're, they're expecting to get this letter saying, hey, guess what, you've, you've, you know, your time of suffering is over. Your persecution, your trial is over. That, that's an American way of thinking. Man, you go to Pakistan right now, you go to India right now, uh, where, persecute, where persecution is so incredible. You go to Africa in certain places. You go to South America in certain places. Around the world, Persecution is familiar. It's a way of life. They never expect to get out of it. We do because we've never tasted it. We've never had to go through it. We've been so incredibly blessed in this country. And we need to pause right here and just say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Praise you, Lord, for why, why the United States of America? Why are we so blessed in so many ways in, in such richness? Uh, it's, it's incredible because our brothers and sisters around the world they haven't tasted what we've, had, we've, we've, been, we've been given. They haven't experienced their lot. Their lot, their, you might want to say fate. No, it's not fate. And they're the sovereignty of God. Under the, the providence of God, they've been allowed to suffer for Jesus' name. They've been put in environments as a, as a minority or even almost a majority, and yet they suffer and they suffer. Kids grow up in the homes where they're suffering, and they die as 80-year-olds having suffered all their life. 
the Smyrnans, they're not expecting like, okay, you've done your time. No, it says, hey, guess what? Uh, There's more suffering to come. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested. For ten days you will have tribulation. So what's going on here? The, 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 the update, the, uh, the, I think maybe Jesus is, is coming alongside them at the right time because maybe they are growing weary. Maybe, maybe he sees their, their situation. Maybe, maybe they're just tired of suffering all the time. Maybe, they, maybe these, they're, they're just tired of being persecuted all the time. But he, so he comes alongside of them and he gives them a word. He gives them his, his heart, his message. Uh, the deal is, guys, um, you're going you're gonna to suffer again soon. Uh, for, for 10 days, uh, there's going to be this time of tribulation. Uh, 10 days, was it a literal 10 days? We don't know. Uh, most, most people through uh, church history have said it's a block of time. It's a representative number, you know, in, the, in the, this kind of literature, of course, the, the symbolic nature of a lot of the numbers. It's a, it's a season of life that you're going to have to go through. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Uh, he talks about the devil throwing them in the prison. Uh, this is actually terrifying because in the Roman prisons, they didn't really have prisons for punishment. <laughs> kind of deal like you're sentenced to tenure in prison. Uh, that's not how it worked. You're either put into prison as a means of coercion. The, go- the government would coerce you to uh, get in line with their thing or you'd be tortured. <laughs> you know, that coercion. Yeah, you, you can stay in here and, and suffer or you could agree to what we're saying and what we're telling you. Uh, prisons were used as a holding place for trial. Like the Apostle Paul, you know, in the end of Acts, he's, he's in his house arrest, waiting on trial. Uh, or prisons were a place you went to to get executed. You were waiting your execution. And so what uh, Paul is, uh, what Apostle John is reporting through Jesus' revelation, he's saying, uh, prison is going to be the lot of, of many for you. And what he's saying is, some of you are going to die soon. Some of you are, are going to experience your richness in heaven soon. Some of you are going to be martyred soon. It's, it's uh, just knowing the culture and knowing how things work back then. You don't go to a Roman prison unless uh, you're going to go to trial for uh, mutiny against the, the nation, you know, apostasy, so to speak. Uh, they, they called Christians atheists sometimes because they wouldn't worship the Roman gods. Unbelievers. And when you buckled against the Roman Empire and you wouldn't bow the knee uh, you know, sometimes you were dealt with, uh, with losing your head. Uh, so these, these guys, are, they're hearing from Jesus, some in your church are going to die soon. The, the government, the, the local, we don't know if it's the Roman army, you know, a Roman, Roman uh, a provincial leader, or it's the local officials that were in charge of this. Um, but trouble's coming. Uh, there's some strong language here about uh, in, in some, some behind the scenes. Who's pulling the strings here? Who's, who's, who's causing this? It calls the, the local synagogues, uh, the local synagogue, a synagogue of Satan. Satan means accuser, it can mean adversary in certain places. Devil is a, is a, a, a term, you know, in the book of Revelation, he's the dragon, he's that ancient ser- serpent, he's that evil one. Uh, there's, there's a lot of terms for the, the enemy of our souls. 
But the picture that Apostle John's painting is that through, through institutions, they, and through the, through the centuries there's been evil institutions of all types, whether it be businesses or churches or, or other religions or different things, the idea being that uh, the instigator behind the scenes is, is, is pushing buttons. The, the, the one that's on the attack, that wants to destroy Christians and pull them away from Jesus, He's uh, working overtime, and he's, he's pulling some strings behind the scenes. Uh, all kinds of institutions uh, can be evil. And well, how does that start? Where does that come from? We, we don't know the whole deal, but Satan's at work. The enemy of our soul's at work. And, and, and John's saying, in that synagogue, uh, they, they say they're Jews, but they're not. Remember in, in John chapter 8, there's a whole long discussion with the Pharisees that Jesus has and he talks about, man, you're, not do, you're only doing what your father wants you to do. And he's referring to Satan. And they're saying, Our, we only have one father, God in heaven. And, and Jesus said, no, uh, your father is the devil. <laughs> and a little bit later, they try to kill him for that. Uh, he says, I, I am. And they try to stone him to death. Um, there, there's this, this, this picture of, of attack and, and, and coming towards them. But we're reminded here there's a spiritual war going on. Uh, you know, if, if our, our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, right? Um, I think John wouldn't say, well, if you get, you, you get, you get attacked, you, you should just do what they would do, right? What, what was Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Passive resistance, uh, is, is a, in, that's a whole other sermon, chapter 5. And then, then love your enemies, Love your enemies, pray for your enemies. He wouldn't say, man, if they come against you and they slander you and they lie about you, you do the same thing. Absolutely not. We're Jesus people. We act in love. We, 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 we respond by trusting in our Savior who has us no matter what. Uh, but but the, the, apparently, you know, my take on the book of Revelation, it was written in the late 90s. It was written by an elderly apostle, John. Uh, in the 80s, in the AD 80 kind of time frame, uh, after the Jewish temple was destroyed, uh, the, the uh, Jewish people really went through a horrible tribulation. You know, they, 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 did, uh, they were judged. They, the Jerusalem was, was destroyed. Um, it was a terrible time for the Jews. But as they scattered, as they, as they went to these other places of a former dispersion in, in the world, uh, they really came to despise the Christians. In the 80s, uh, there used to be in the book of Acts, you see that Christians are able to go into synagogues and they're able to preach the gospel. But in the 80s, the, the Jewish people said, no, Christians are banned. They really, they really started to have a hard time with the Christians, probably because of all the Jewish converts that were coming still into the faith or all the God-fearers that used to attend the synagogues. The Christians were reaching them and there's some jealousy going on. So uh, John doesn't spare any words, uh, you know, for, but, but he's not saying hate the Jews or anything like that. There's been some great mistakes in church history of Christians going to attack Jews or Christ killers or whatever that they call the Jews. We should never be that kind of a people, right? We take the gospel to the Jewish people. We take the gospel to people that need to be saved. We are those who have been saved by grace, and so we take the same gospel to other peoples that need to be saved by grace and call them to bow the knee to Jesus and worship him. But we never attack, we never slander, we never seek to destroy, or we never seek to discriminate. Uh, we're always about love in Jesus' name. Loving meaning serving others for their benefit in Jesus' name.
Uh, the, the devil, <laughs> the, this is my, maybe the local administrators, the local magistrates, uh, some kind of a power there. But again, the idea is that the devil is behind the scenes, instigating and attacking and, and manipulating human pride and ego and power to accomplish his ends. The enemy of our souls is the enemy of God. And he's always on the attack. And so that's why in Ephesians it calls us to pray. To pray without ceasing. To pray again because we are in a spiritual battle. Even in this town. There's a spiritual war going on for the hearts and minds and souls of people. And uh, prayer is our weapon that we use. The Word of God and prayer is uh, important in being victorious. So he, he comes and he says, yeah, these things are going to happen. You're going to be, what do you do about it? What should we, what, what's the word? He says in verse 10, do not fear. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. But God, why am I suffering? He, he doesn't answer that here. He has a purpose in it. If you enter into a time where you're persecuted, if you enter into a time where you are lied about because you're a Christian, if you enter a time in your life where, where sometime, somehow you're afflicted because you're a Christian, because you're following Jesus, if you're cast out, if you're kicked away, if your family abandons you because you're a Christian, you've got to trust that Jesus has a purpose in it. Why is God allowing the Smyrnans to suffer? I don't know, but He's got a purpose because He's good. He's sovereign. He's providential. He, he knows what he's doing. He's got a good end, a good outcome. He works all things together for the good of those who love him. The outcomes, the short term might be evil. The, the attacks might be evil, and they are oftentimes. But you trust him with your life. You say, I believe that Jesus has a good purpose even in this. That's who he is. That's what he does. And so we, we hold on, but he says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. <laughs> do not fear. It, that, that's, uh, that's uh, if I tell you do not fear, it's like, okay, whatever. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm, ha but here's Jesus saying, do not fear. Do you, did you see how he introduced himself? There's this, uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at the first, uh, the last part of chapter one, about all the different ways that Jesus is presented to the, uh, the, 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 the seven churches. And here he starts, uh, the words of the first and last. Um, do not fear. Why? Because the first and last is with you. The first and last is a statement of sovereign God. His sovereign hand is with you. The first and the last, and, and uh, he's called, you know, Father's called Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, all the different ways of saying it, that God, there's a person at the beginning of your life, there's a person at the end of your life, there's a person at the beginning of the cosmos, there's a person at the end of the cosmos. The first and last, He is, and He's in control, and He's present in your life even right now. Trust Him. Uh, do not fear. There is one who's in charge. The emperor thinks he's in charge. The emperor thinks he's the boss. Maybe there's certain local officials that like driving the hammer into the back of your head. They are not in charge, Smyrnans. There might be some neighbors that uh, might be on the attack. They are not in charge. Trust me, I'm the first and the last. But look what he says in verse 8. Who died and came to life. 
I was alive, says Jesus, then I died, but then I came to life again. And remember at, at, the, at verse, I think it's verse 18 of, uh, of chapter 1, the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death in Hades. I have the keys of death in the grave. I'm in control of all these things. I have been where you are, in other words, Smyrnans. As I walk through my 33 years of life, and I suffered, and I went through tribulations and trials, I kept my eyes on the Father. I did whatever the Father said. I obeyed the Father to the nth degree. I suffered and I died, but I came back to life. So shall you be brought back in my name by my power. I have your entire life, not just this short little dot of life, 70 or 80 years. I have your entire eternal life in my hands. Trust me. Follow my example. In other words, do not fear. It's not like, it's not like hey, uh, suffering comes. Like if I got a letter, so to speak, it's probably not ever going to happen. But if God sent me some kind of a letter, some kind of a message, drawn, uh, you're going you're to suffer for a period of 10 days. Um, w- would I be like this super Christian kind of guy and say, hey, great. Um, uh, yeah, I can't wait. High five. Woo! Kind of thing. No, I, I don't want to go through suffering. You have to be a fool to think you'd enjoy suffering or something like that. That's not what he's talking about. Do you think that when he says do not fear, he means don't have any emotions of fear? No. Of course we're going to. God gave us the emotions, our feelings. This is part of being human. We do get afraid. I imagine the Smyrnans, when they heard this message, there was a dread in their heart. There was a dread like, oh, man, because we know what persecution is. We know it might get worse. You know, it's not, the, it's not the do not fear like you just get rid of feelings of fear. No, but you master that fear. You don't let the fear intimidate you. You don't let the fear control you. You don't let the fear command you because you have one Lord already and you're following Him. I don't have time to uh, read some of the verses I wanted to, but you can look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Write down, if you're taking notes, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Uh, Peter says, do not be intimidated by fear. Do not be intimidated by the things that are coming. You can write down Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. (laughs) Jesus said, hey, don't fear what men can do to you, what people can do to you. Fear him who, they can throw you in prison, but fear him who can throw your soul into hell. Get the right perspective, in other words. You don't live in fear of what men can do or what governments can do or what, what uh, certain uh, parties can do or whatever. Fear God. Live in His presence. But he also says, uh, the other kind of exhortation here, the other encouragement in the face of this, he says, if you look at verse 10 at, at the end of it, be faithful unto death. Be faithful uh, all the way up to the point of death. Uh, there, there was a guy named, uh, his name was Warren Chandler. Uh, a bishop, he was a pastor, his name was Bishop Warren Chandler. Kind of a famous guy. He was, uh, uh, the Emory U- University named the School of Theology after him. But he was on his deathbed, 
And uh, there was this, uh, his friend came and was, in, was wondering, is he afraid? Uh, I want to ask him the question. So he, he said, please tell me frankly, uh, Warren, do you fear crossing over the river of death? And the, uh, the bishop said, why? My father owns the land on both sides of the river. Do not fear. Fear will come at you and threaten you and, and, and lie to you and deceive you. Command fear, but then be faithful. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. What, is, what does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to just... Uh, I've I, I got to show this example um, because it resonated me from the book of Acts when we had our sermon series through the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 5, please. Verse, verse 28. Remember when uh, the apostles were preaching the gospel in Jerusalem? Uh, they were trying to convert the, uh, the, the Jewish people to Jesus. Come under your Messiah's reign. He's here. He's, he's the one you've been waiting for. Won't you trust him? Uh, the, 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 the Jewish leaders did not appreciate that. So they arrested him. They you know, brought him to council. But verse 28. We strictly charge you not to teach the name, yet here you are, you filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They're feeling guilty for slaughtering Jesus. But Jesus, the apostle, Jesus, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Is that your heart? <laughs> in, in the face of suffering, in the face of culture, in the face of you know, the, the, the cultural push to make it all about you, are you saying in, in your setting, in your context, with your family, with your bosses or whatever, I must obey Jesus. When Jesus says, stay faithful to your death, that's what he means. The obedience. Like, like enter through the narrow gate. That's obedience. That's obedience. Few find it because few walk with Jesus. They come to faith and to walk with Jesus in obedience. They, he, he said to them, the, the, the Peter and the apostles said, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him to the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Jump down to verse 40. And, uh, it, so they, 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 more happens, more, you know, they're not capitulating, they're not giving in. When they called in the apostles... They beat them. Uh, they, they flogged them, charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They, they, they said, even if you flog us, even if you beat us, even if you take everything we have, we're going to obey Jesus because he's worthy. Is he not worthy? He is worthy of all honor and praise and honor and glory. And uh, they believed it. Do you believe it? Will you live for Jesus or not? Have you compromised or not? Have you come to worship Him or not as your Lord? Has that play out in your life or not? Or is He just your Savior in name only? They called in the apostles. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing. Rejoicing that they're accounted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Isn't, wouldn't that be wild for us Americans to see persecution as an honor? to be able to suffer for Jesus, we'd actually say, yeah, what an honor. They did. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease, cease teaching and preaching that Jesus 
the Christ, that the Christ is Jesus. Man, what, what, a, what a big deal. So when it says, be faithful unto death, smyrnins, as they arrest you, as they put you in the prison, as they write the writ of execution over your mother or your father, do not stop being faithful to me. Obey me to the end. Walk in my ways to the end. And if you do, the, the promise, reward, sometimes we, we hesitate to say reward because we're, we're fearful that someone might say, you know, I do this to get that kind of a thing. <laughs> You know, Jesus is the treasure, not the reward. Our treasures that we're supposed to store up in heaven, it's not like all these rewards. Jesus is the reward. Our relationship with God is our reward. But nevertheless, Jesus says, Be faithful to death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Uh, there's a lot of athletic games in Smyrna, as there were in various places in the region. And so the athletic guy who won the, the prize, he'd get a wreath you know, around his head. But Jesus says, hey, imagine that the applause, the honor that they got. Imagine when you get to heaven, <laughs> the crown of life is yours. Would you trade the crown of life to avoid suffering? I wouldn't. Would you trade the crown of life, God's applause and God's reward, the honor that God would give you for, for staying out of prison? I wouldn't. There's so much greater here. And he, and he says at the end here, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. What is the second death? You can write down Revelation 20, 14. It's the bane of the unbeliever that those who deny Jesus one day will be thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And Jesus is saying, he's, he's, it's kind of a warning, it's kind of a thing. Hey, you, if you give in to denying me, if you give in to walking away from me, what's your reward? But if you walk with me, if you stay obedient to me, if you love me, if you're committed to me, the second death won't hurt you at all. There's, a, there's this wild thing throughout the Bible where I believe in the elect. I believe that my name, if I've been saved, I've been written in the, in the book of life since the beginning of time. And I believe that God's going to hold my salvation. He's gonna, but there's always these challenges, these warnings through Scripture. <laughs> like if you stay steadfast in your faith, if you, if you hold on to the gospel, if you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it's like there's always this edge. And right here, there's, there's this edge. Like... Um, if you stay faithful, if you hear what I'm saying, if you respond in faith and you keep being obedient to me, the second death won't be a problem for you. And the implication is, you deny me, you capitulate, you compromise. You might find yourself out of the kingdom of heaven because you never really believed. Believe. He who has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. If you suffer for your faith, if tribulation comes in your life, if you're being lied about and spat upon and, and destroyed by people in Jesus' name, because of Jesus' sake, stay faithful to the end. You're not home yet. You haven't tasted your true reward in Jesus' name. Praise God. Would you stand in the Lord's presence? Lord, we praise you and we love you. We thank you for saving us by grace and grace alone. We thank you for making us yours. 
Thank you for buying us with your blood. Thank you for giving us the grace to believe in the gospel, to trust in you, to repent and trust in you. And by your grace, by your grace alone, we have been redeemed, rescued, ransomed, reconciled to you. Lord, we worship you. Now give us grace, Lord. Uh, Whatever you bring, whatever you allow, whatever comes our way, uh, may you find us faithful. Lord, uh, bless us as a church. Let us be that, that church that no matter what comes, no matter who comes against us, let us be that church that responds in love, seeking the betterment of others, seeking the good of others. Let us uh, pray for one another and let us be your people uh, of, of love and worship and praise. Um, to you be the glory, Lord. Uh, send us out in the world now. Thank you for meeting with us here today, Jesus. Thank you for letting us gather and celebrate and rejoice over you and your gospel. Um, we love you. Until we meet again, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now, He is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.